Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we will be continuing our Christmas devotionals, going through David Mathis's Christmas devotional book, The Christmas We Didn't Expect. If you haven't already, you can join us on YouTube at the Vine Church Odium and Church Crookham, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Good morning to you. Hello there. Um, so we're continuing to take a look at the book by um, David Mattis, um, The Christmas We Didn't Expect. And um, today's uh, one is chapter 22, obviously, the 22nd of December, um, Jesus in Swaddling Clothes. And we're going to look at that and we're going to take a little detour uh, around that subject that he brings up. But just to say, I know I've been getting some great feedback from people in terms of how much they are enjoying the book. Um, it is excellent. I would recommend it. I am enjoying it as well very much. Um I think it's definitely worth investing in and perhaps keeping for next Christmas if you haven't got a copy yet for yourself. But I should just mention, by the way, this morning that it is actually um, my son, uh, Zach's uh, 18th birthday. So we're very excited for him that he's now uh, adult. Um, And uh, we can still remember the day when he was born um, back on the 22nd of December, uh, 18 years ago. And in fact, Kate and I and Jamie uh, were at a live nativity that was being held at a farm, a local farm. And we were sitting in a big barn on hay bales and there was the donkey and there was the uh, manger and there were the cattle and the sheep and the Mary and Joseph. And they were acting out the whole story in this barn. And we were sitting on these uh, hay bales and suddenly Kate went into labor. Uh, And so uh, long story short, uh, the next morning, Zachary was born. So there we go. A very Christmas birth for um, him. Um, but as we read in Mattis's book uh, today, we see that he talks about how Jesus would be found in Bethlehem um, in a manger and um, that he would be wrapped in swaddling clothes. And uh, certainly um, we used to swaddle our children. Um, so we used to use a light blanket, not too hot. Um, and uh, we used to sort of wrap their limbs up and pin them up uh, with their li- you know, limbs sort of gently uh, sort of swaddled so that they would feel secure and also so that their limbs wouldn't like flay around and wake them up. We found that it was a brilliant way of helping them to settle down and to stay settled. Uh, and uh, Mattis talks about how swaddling was a common uh, thing that mothers would do back in uh, Palestine at the time of Jesus' birth. And he speaks very powerfully about how the fact that Jesus was to be found in swaddling clothes is a sign just of how normal, how commonplace his birth was going to be and his life was going to be. And so he writes, this depend uh, at long last, the, the long awaited Christ has come and he has come like this, this dependent on his mother and human father, this weak and vulnerable, this insecure and frail in the moments after leaving his mother's womb fullness of god in helpless babe as a, as him by stuart townend puts it he cannot even count his limbs enough to keep himself asleep and control his limbs enough to keep himself asleep he is in this in need of warmth and protection he is this in need of being settled and soothed. He is this human, fully human. 
beginning the journey of human life like the rest of us, from ovum to zygotes to uh, embryo to fetus to newborn, with all its attendant frailty and fragility. He is this normal, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And he goes on to say later, the arrival of the incarnate son of God, comments Bock, is a study in contrast between how God did it and how we might have done it. This indeed is the Christmas we didn't expect from the virgin conception to the parents of lowly estate to the little town, the undignified visitors, and now the manger. God does it like no human would have planned. And that's so true, isn't it? And uh, as I was thinking about this, what it underlines, of course, for us is the humility of Jesus, the humility of Christ, his humanity and his humility, that though he is God, yet he has humbled himself to become a man. And I've been studying and looking in the passages in Isaiah, and I'm just going to have a look at these quickly and then bring us back to this theme of humility as we close. So if we look at Isaiah, what we find is that there are actually three uh, sort of incarnation prophecies in the book of Isaiah, at least three. But the common three that we all would think about would be Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9 and Isaiah 11. I'm sure that you would have thought of all of those three instantly. Um, but uh, just quickly uh, to remind you, of course, in Isaiah 7, we read there, don't we? that uh, I will give you a sign, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. That's the sign in uh, the prophecy in Isaiah, 11, Isaiah 7. The context of that prophecy is this, that Ahaz, the king of Judah, is currently facing two enemies, Israel and Aram, who are about to attack him. And Ahaz has to make a decision. Is he going to trust God to deliver him or is he going to reach out and um, make an alliance with uh, Assyria and trust Assyria to deliver him? And Isaiah is saying, trust God. Uh, don't trust Assyria, trust God. And he says, I'll give you a sign. And it's a very deep sign. It's as deep as the deepest depths. It's the highest as the highest heights. It's a profound sign, he's saying. And he says, there will be this son who will be, uh, uh, um, I will give you a son. Uh, the, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel. And what Isaiah is saying in the immediate context is that um, my wife is going to have another child, a third child, who will be called Emmanuel. And um, and and this will be assigned to you because before he turns 12, um, these two nations you're worried about will be destroyed. Um, but actually, by the way, just to mention, because you're going to trust Assyria and not trust God, actually, Assyria will turn on you and you too will be destroyed as well. And so that's kind of the sign of Emmanuel. Um, but it's a scary sign, actually, for Judah. Um, but, it, but it speaks much further, much beyond, of course, the immediate context and is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who is truly born of a virgin and who is uh, Emmanuel, God with us. 
the second promise uh, that we find is in Isaiah chapter 9. And I referred to it at our carol service on Sunday. And it speaks in Isaiah 9, of course, of nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the the Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. So there what we have uh, very briefly is a situation where in Galilee, the northern part of Israel, where Assyria had begun its degradations of the people of God, when Assyria invaded, they started in, in Galilee in the north, in that very place of darkness, that's the very place where the light is going to start to shine and shine in all its brightness in the coming of the Messiah, who will do most of his ministry in that region in Galilee, where the darkness began for the people of God when the Assyrians attacked. And so there will be light in the place of darkness, in the very place of the worst place in our lives is where the light will shine. In the worst and darkest times in our nation, that's when the light can shine at the most. And so this son will be born, as it goes on to talk about this wonderful counsellor, this mighty God, this prince of peace, this everlasting father. And wonderful counsellor there, by the way, we often think of a wonderful therapist. He's going to be a wonderful therapist. Actually, wonderful counsellor here is a war counsellor, a counsellor who will counsel how to win war. He will be a war counsellor who will destroy the enemy, who will be mighty God, who will bring peace because he will destroy the enemies that have destroyed the peace that we had with God and with one another. He's a wonderful counsellor. So that's the promise in Isaiah 9. And then finally, I just want to finish by mentioning the promise in Isaiah 11. And perhaps this is the one that you wouldn't have thought of, but it's really powerful and really poignant. Um, the build up to Isaiah 11 is this, that back in um, uh, the couple of chapters before that, uh, it talks about how Israel is going to be like a forest that is going to be raised to the ground and burnt to the ground. This picture of Israel as this uh, mighty forest, of course, under uh, David and Solomon for a period of about 80 years. It had been this um, great nation with great boundaries, with great wealth, with great peace. Uh, and uh, so there was this big forest. But because of their sins, this forest was going to be leveled to the ground, burnt uh, a scorched earth policy. God was going to destroy the, the Israel and Judah. And um, so it was going to be this forest that was going to be destroyed. So that there was just stumps left on the ground. And then in chapter 11, it says this, and you think, is it possible that life could come out of this destroyed forest? Is it possible that anything could come out of this burnt out forest where there is no hope, where everything is destroyed, where everything is ruined? We can feel like that at the moment in our nation, just everything completely destroyed uh, and and. Is, can anything good come out of this? Can anything come out of this? And the answer is in verse uh, chapter 11, verse 1, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. As the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So here we have this picture, this stump. I don't know if you've ever cut down a tree. 
I remember chopping down the buddleia and then surprise, surprise, a little shoot pops up and grows and, 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 and it grows almost, you can hear it growing. It's growing so quickly. And here is this picture of this little, this stump that's destroyed, but there is going to be a shoot, a branch that will come that will bear fruit uh, and uh, who, who will be filled with the spirit, full of wisdom and so on. And, and we get a, a parallel passage in um, Zechariah, which I won't look at right now. But in, in Zechariah, it talks about this branch that will come. The servant will bring forth his branch. Um, and uh, and so there's this humility of this little branch, this little shoot, this tender shoot wrapped in swaddling clothes, as we've seen, this tender shoot will come. Uh, and in Zechariah 6, verse 8, he talks about how this shoot will grow and actually will take the crown in the end and who will build the temple in the end and who will be majestic in the end, but will begin as a little shoot. And so we come back to our theme that we began with this morning, which is this, that we have this humility of God, this tender shoot that is born and yet who is also mighty God and yet who will also grow into this mighty saviour. And, and who will deliver, who will be a wonderful counsellor, who will destroy our enemies, the enemies of sin and death, and who will bring about the greatness of God's kingdom. And so we have this amazing juxtaposition of majesty and humility and meekness. As uh, Jonathan Edwards speaks about in his beautiful uh, sermon, The Divine Excellencies of Christ, he speaks as I finish by talking about this. He says, what an amazing act of grace was it when Christ took upon our human nature. In this act of great condescension, he was he who was God became man. The word should be made flesh and should take on him a nature infinitely below his original nature. We should appreciate the remarkably low circumstances of his incarnation. He was conceived in the womb of a poor young woman whose poverty appeared in this. When she came to offer sacrifices for her purification, she brought what was allowed of in the law only in the case of poverty, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There in the manger, Christ lay a little infant and there he eminently appeared as a lamb. But yet this feeble infant born this way in a stable and laid in a, tr in a feed trough was born to conquer and triumph over Satan, that roaring lion. And so he is this humble saviour who is humble. We can come to him because he is tender and welcoming and yielding and, and, and sweet towards us and humble towards us. He's still humble to this day and he still welcomes us and he still invites the lowly to come to him. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can come to you. Thank you that we can be humbled by you because you first were humbled, but we can also to be lifted up by you. And I thank you for these wonderful promises in Isaiah. I thank you, Lord, that a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse, David's father, Jesse, and this shoot will come and you have come tender and yet you grew uh, into a mighty saviour, our mighty saviour. And we worship you today. We bow our knee before you. We give you glory in Jesus name. Amen.